like staring at each other like oncoming cars, like just Ooh, playing chicken, chicken with that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you on this fine day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she stared off into the middle distance for about three seconds there. So that's how she's doing. Mm -hmm. um, how are you? I'm better. <laughs> I was not okay for a bit. Um, and you will not be okay on Sunday. We're talking about Avengers Endgame. <laughs> like, here's the thing. I've worked, I've worked really, really hard to actively know yes. nothing about this movie. Which is I impressive. haven't even seen the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Like, it tried to start autoplaying on YouTube, and I... I've never closed anything faster in my life. <laughs> yeah, you're really killing it. I know I'm going to cry. I know I'm going to get my shit absolutely wrecked. Mm -hmm. I'm um, scared. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I was in there like, I'm really worried about what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, we we have different characters that we like the most. Mm -hmm. um, but they're kind of the mainstay characters. <laughs> so it's like... Man, what's going to go on with these guys? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so no spoilers for anybody listening and for you, Emily. Um, but I did have that happen to me today. So I did, uh, I have spent half an hour crying today already. Yeah, Kat apparently had a headache from crying. Yeah, she so, said she was dehydrated. Yep. <laughs> so, um, cool. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. Everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> I did have like one person on my Facebook be like, uh, do you want to go see a mediocre movie? Then Avengers Endgame is for you. And I was like, um, you're unfollowed because I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. Like, I don't need that shit from you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to have like an emotional Facebook post when like it's all done. Yeah. It's, and just, it's like, been so long. Out of the theater. And yeah. I'm just like, okay. It was definitely one where like Jake and I just sat in the car for a minute. You yeah. know, you don't just start driving immediately because yeah. you just like need a sec before mm -hmm. you're behind the wheel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, that was definitely one of those. Ugh. All right, we'll stop being nerdy. I do think we should do a quick shout out to our friend Bubbers' new podcast, though. Yeah. Because um, we haven't done that yet. We haven't. And he's very supportive of us. Yeah. So his podcast is called The Millennium Fandom, and it's really cute. Yeah. He gets together. It's just him as the host, and then he gets together with one person every other week, which it comes out on the exact same day as our podcast, Bubbers. I don't know if you just decided on that bubbers subtle bubbers yeah wow bubs you trying to take this monday from us and he has more facebook likes than he us. does have more facebook likes than us what the fuck bubbers i know we support you but also what the fuck michael bubbers probably has more facebook friends than us too like as individuals i mean like, yeah lots of people know bubs yeah <laughs> it's fine but his it's podcast fine. is real cool and it it's, is it's all about a different nerdy topic each time and just a minor plug i'm on it this coming monday i'm not um, you, you're going to get on there at some point though, because he's like wading through people trying to get people on. You wanted to talk about Lord of the Rings. Perhaps? I did. Yeah. Bubbers, I, get at Emily. I, I know a lot about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. So yeah. Um, and I definitely, you know, someday far in the future, if he's ever looking for somebody to talk about, I don't know, the TV show Hannibal, there's like four of us who would be Dude. like, hello, hello. Oh, <laughs> Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? We, uh, we all... Bubbers, we'd love to talk to you about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we should try to have Bubs on this podcast at some point. We should. We did talk about that we as did. well. We did. Yeah, we definitely should. Uh, so, you know, just at us, Bubs, at us. At us. You know, usually we're like, don't at us to everyone else. But Bubs. That's mainly you. 
okay, on Twitter. Twitter. It's mostly me <laughs> on Twitter, a, a thing that I don't use. <laughs> but you can add us, bubs. We got to talk. <laughs> All right. Let's fucking get into it. What do we have to drink tonight, Emily? If you checked our Facebook, mm. we have tequila. Huzzah. Because last Friday. <laughs> Look, so. <laughs> we wrecked our shit on tequila. Absolutely wrecked our collective shop. <laughs> <laughs> Destroyed our storefront. Oh. oh, yeah. It was like a sentient tornado went through. <laughs> oh, my God. That one was Dewey, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dewey was there that night in the room with us. Oh, um, yeah, I was out of commission the next day, which doesn't usually mm-hmm. happen, but completely unable to move from my couch. And I had rehearsal at nine o'clock the next morning. Oh, hon. Yeah, we did a whole bad, and um, it was an entire bottle of tequila's worth of bad. Almost. Um, it was really not great. <laughs> and so Emily <laughs> kindly has gifted me with a new bottle of tequila because we had that shit for like four hours. So. Yeah. All right, let's do this. What we would drink, but we're far away. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're cheating because that ain't even bad. Nope. I sip this tequila. It's good shit. I think that's why you got into trouble on Friday night. That's exactly what happened is I had three beers and then I sipped some tequila and then I sipped some more tequila and then I sipped some more tequila and then somebody said something about how they had Himalayan salt. Down at the Walker's place. Oh, shit. That's right. Mm -hmm. And Stephen Walker, call out post for Stephen Walker, handed me at least two shots out of nowhere that just had like a nice little Himalayan salt There were going to be three. I took one of them away. I also do have pink Himalayan salt if we want to get fancy. Oh, maybe on the second one. Okay. Ooh, okay. So here we are. We're doing a whole thing. And our stories do connect in a way. Do they? They do. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we know only a little bit about each other's. Okay, so I'm going first this week. Mm-hmm. And we are on our true crime bullshit again. Even though I tried to swap it so it was <laughs> non-true crime again because my non-true crime is fucking awesome. I'm really excited to hear about but it next time. no. Next time, though, no. it's going to be awesome. I have to wait. Mm, I'm so sorry. Taylor's so rude. <laughs> Well, I was having a little trouble myself. I have a harder time. I try not to watch too, too much true crime stuff because I don't want to burn myself out on it or make myself sad. But I did find a new TV show. What is that like? Yeah, um, I'm different <laughs> than you. We know that. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, you really are one of those ones who like watches it for comfort. And I just don't get there yet. I'm not there. <laughs> not? No. <laughs> and that's all good. But I did find a new TV show that I am pretty into. Um, it's, it's not new. It's new to me. It was on the ID channel. It's Mm. been on the ID channel for several Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's on Hulu now Mm -hmm. because they have a, I know which one you're talking about. Is it, uh, I think it's called obsession. Uh huh. Obsession, dark desires. I think mine is also from that. Shut up. (laughs) Oh God. Tell me the name of the person you did it about. Nikki Gozer. Okay. Then we're fine. (laughs) I did, I did mention to you that mine is about an opera singer. Mine is not an opera singer. Okay, so, That's why I knew we were okay. Um, but this one's from like, it's like episode four or five of the first season. Okay. So I really like this show and you probably have a similar, like, because it's about a kind of crime, like a kind of true crime that like doesn't get talked about that much. It's hard to report when it happens. It's hard to prosecute. Like our stories are about the same topic. 
Are you serious? Are we talking about stalkers today? Uh, yes! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Taylor. <laughs> Sorry. I got so far from the mic to do that. We'll see how that this... I don't know. Are we seriously? We were both just like, I'm going to do a stalker today. I've been wanting to do this story for a while, and I finally really? decided to do it. We haven't, like, really done this in a bit, so I'm really proud of us right now. Holy we're on, like, fucking brainwaves, people. All right. So our survivor's name is Leandra Ram. And her name might be familiar if anybody listening is familiar with the New York opera scene. Me. Yeah, this episode <laughs> is from 2014 mm-hmm. that I got it from. So, you know, it's been a few years, and I'm not sure exactly where she is in her life right now. But... Leandra is, as far as I knew, or at least was, an opera and musical theater performer. She studied classical voice at the Manhattan School for Music. Yeah, it seemed really cool. I looked it up. I was Mm -hmm. like, damn. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. Fun fact. Leandra was conceived from the repository of germinal choice, um, also known as the genius sperm bank. So it's like rich people can't have babies, so they go and get sperm from like renowned scientists and classical like music performers and like people who are the best in their field of something they will donate their sperm and then like people will pay a bunch of money to get that sperm so she is one of the people conceived from this and it is that coupled with the fact that she became such a talented opera singer that got her on the tv show anderson cooper 360 Mm. yeah um she was on many national interviews in the early 2000s. So she's on Anderson Cooper in 2005 specifically, and she sang and she did an interview. Um, and it was just sort of about her career and her dreams. And she thought, you know, this will really launch me forward sure. in my career. I'm going to get known and seen yeah. for this. It's awesome. People dream of breaking into basically people's households. Exactly. And being a household name yeah. when you're in a field like opera or like broadway right and it seems weird that she'd be on cnn but like that's yeah. still a national news network yeah where she got her face and voice scene. love anderson cooper yes oh my god especially back in 2005 we oh were god. really all about that yeah. motherfucker oh. <laughs> so at this time she's still in school she's still practicing and rehearsing for shows hours a day and she's still living at home with her parents she has huge dreams she wants to support herself fully as a singer she wants to travel the world singing um, she wants to bring her music to as many people as possible. And so this TV appearance, like I said, huge deal for her. It helped her launch a new part of her career. But unfortunately, it would also launch Leandra into a six-year struggle with a man named Colin Mac Lung. So after her appearance on Anderson Cooper, Leandra was contacted by a man who went by Colin Mac, who ran the Singapore Music Festival. And after he made initial contact, Leandra talked to him over the phone. So to her, he was like a very professional sounding businessman. He had a light Asian accent. Um, He was clearly like in Singapore. Um, And he sounded very legitimate. He (laughs) had specific proposals for her. He had dates. He had things, you know, that he wanted to let her know about. And as they were sort of evolving, the thing was maybe like a year away at that point. Yeah. So he told Leandra he was a huge fan of hers, that he would love to have her come and sing for the Singapore Music Festival, and she had no reason to think anything was wrong. He seemed like a perfectly normal dude. She, of course, accepted this amazing opportunity. And that's the shitty thing, like, especially in the world of opera, until you become, like, a big 
big name mm-hmm. like you're not working through an agent you are setting up your own auditions right. you are putting out audition tracks you are sending clips to people mm-hmm. it so really did seem like she was doing this by herself yeah. with her own phone and email and uh-huh. she didn't have it's actually becomes part of the problem to be yeah. honest yeah <laughs> so over this first initial phone call leandra gives colin her email so that they could stay in touch regarding further further details about the festival. And for a while after that, their communication remained professional. Colin would contact her every couple of weeks or so. He would follow up on further details. He would also, over time, start giving her names and contact info of various, like, producers and people he had met. Um, Colin was extremely interested in helping Leandra further her career. That just seemed to be the way it was. He really, really appreciated her voice and really wanted to make sure that people knew about her. But this is a story on this podcast. So, like, you know it ain't going to stay regular for long. It doesn't end there. No. So one afternoon, Leandra received a package at her house. Uh Uh-oh. It was a dress known in China as a... um, Jiang Sam or Kipao. It's one of those dresses that it's like the sort of bodycon Asian dresses that have the buttons at the top that like white women in the 90s thought was really cool to fucking wear. Mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore wore one on, on, oh, on yeah. a red carpet. Yep. Yeah. It's that kind of dress. Um, and with it is a note. And in it, it says, I hope you will wear this the first time we meet from your number one fan, Colin. Okay. So. Leandra describes what I saw as the first uh uh-oh feeling she got, for sure. She, in her gut, was like, this is weird. Yeah. This is less than professional. Mm -hmm. Um, This person might want something for me that I'm not, like, here for. Um, Her mother was there and kind of assured her, like, look, this man is halfway across the world. He might have a crush on you, but this might help you ultimately. Just accept the gift. You don't necessarily have to wear it. Just, it's chill. So... Her mother makes her feel better, and she moves on. Over the following weeks and months, the Singapore Music Festival started to sort of fade into the background of their conversations. Colin talked about it less and less, and instead he started putting other opportunities in her path. And at this point, Leandra is, like, she's no fucking dummy, she stops looking at Colin as a true professional asset and more as a guy who has a crush and maybe could be helpful if the opportunity arose. So at this point, Leandra also had a boyfriend. He was also a professional singer. That tracks. His name was not said on the show or in any of the articles, whatever. But the, the show, it's funny. The show does make him look like a total prick. He just looks <laughs> like he sits in front of her and talks at her about himself the whole time it's very he's probably a tenor (laughs) dude totes he had a tenor look (laughs) i mean this was a reenactment so but also (laughs) he was probably a tenor (laughs) she's got this guy i mean they seem to have a fine relationship they just make him look like an asshole on the thing it's so funny um so she tells the show obsessions that you know with her career going pretty well like she's she's getting more jobs um and she's got her boyfriend she's really busy and she just doesn't really think about Colin that often he's sure. you know he contacts her every once in a while but it's not a big deal as far as she knows he's halfway around the world exactly so then another uh-oh feeling inducing thing happens bop, 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 bop. <laughs> Leandra receives a handwritten letter from Colin that begins with I love you. Oh, 
And it says shit like, I asked for the perfect woman in a Petri dish, and you are that woman. Ew. Yeah, it's real weird. Oh, ew. And at this point, Leandra's like, oh, fuck no. Like, no. (laughs) No, no. It is so obvious to her that there is no Singapore Music Festival. This man might not even do anything close to what he said he did as far as a job. And that he has slowly but surely weaseled his way into her life because he has more than a crush on her. He is clearly developing some kind of obsession. Oh. Yeah. She recognizes this. But again, he is in Singapore. So, you know, Leandra does what anybody would do. And she just continues with her fucking life. So she continues to perform. She lands lead roles in operas, musicals, in and outside of New York. She does some traveling. And Colin, the weird thing is that Colin always seems to know where she is and what show she's in and what part she's playing and when opening night is. No. Um, He begins in his many emails and texts to call her Sylvestra, a character that she played once that he found, I guess, particularly sultry. Uh So he sends her at one point a pearl necklace, which arrives at the theater just before curtain on opening night of a show. She like gets this. They show her in the reenactment, putting it on and being like, wow, this is really beautiful. And then she looks at the note and they, this actor, this, this Asian actor that they have come in who is constantly sweaty and disheveled. (laughs) um, (laughs) He's like, all of a sudden they put him just behind her. As if, like, and he's got, like, his hands around the necklace, like, around her sure. neck. Yeah. So, like, she's, she takes it off immediately because clearly this makes her feel like, again, he is he knows where she is all the time. Yeah. He is always somehow there even when he's not there. And this is fucking with her. Also, would you, if you received a random pearl necklace in the mail, would you put it on before you read the note? I'm not sure. Again, the reenactment might be dramatizing. <laughs> Because she might have just looked at the note and been like, oh, fuck oh, no, fuck get no. that away from me. <laughs> yeah. This is a very dramatic show. It if really any- is. If anybody's going to watch it, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. The reenactments are not bad, but they are a little over the top. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> at least they seem like they get actors who probably already have their SAG card. Yeah. <laughs> the one for mine was super fucking over the top. Overly. Oh, God. So, obviously, uh, the depth with which Colin knew her schedule was unnerving. She begins to think, what if Colin is not halfway across the world? What if he's here? What if he's in this country? What if Uh he's in this city? What if he's in this fucking audience? Uh Uh-huh. Anytime she's anywhere. Yep. How else would he know everything? So finally, uh, Leandra tells her boyfriend that Colin's messages have been upsetting her and that he has been sending her things. And her boyfriend did a thing that while it is something I think we can all, you know, imagine that we might do in this situation, and it sounds noble, you should never do this. Don't do this. He emailed Colin himself. Oh, she said, no. This is Leandra's boyfriend. Stay the fuck away from her. That's what basically what he said. You want to escalate a stalker's behavior? Because that's how you escalate a stalker's behavior. Yeah. <laughs> um, this clearly pissed Colin off. So on Valentine's Day 2007, I believe, a year and four months after her first contact with Colin, Leandra receives her first death threat. Oh. It's a Valentine that says she will be dead by tomorrow. Cool. (laughs) So fucking cool. Very sweet. Yes. 
Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm going to shoot you in the face. <laughs> he wasn't, like, poetic, I don't think. No. <laughs> so, you know. so you're probably screaming, you at home. Leandra, go to the police. <laughs> she does. Good. Again, Leandra, not stupid. Leandra goes to the police. With a death threat in hand. Right? She shows them every message, every letter she's ever been uncomfortable with. She shows them the fucking death threat, everything she has. And according to Leandra, the police laugh this off and they tell her to just ignore him. He's nowhere near you. He's only emails and texts and calls. So ignore them. After all, like he can't come see her physically. Maybe. Right. But things just continue to escalate from there. She gets regular messages now that say things like, I will cut your face with a box cutter. And I am prepared to use a nightstick on you. <laughs> Things like that. Ouch. Yeah. Leandra ends up getting a part over the summer at the Toledo Opera in Ohio. Um, so by this point, Colin is contacting her tens of times a day by email and phone. She is mostly ignoring him. But his most recent message, his most recent message says, I know it's opening night. I know that because I'm here. I will be in the audience. Mark my words, Sylvestra, if you step out on that stage, I will kill you. Oh. I will shoot you in the head. All right, Phantom. And one of their, you know, big scenes of being very dramatic and reenacting is her walking through from the green room through backstage to the wings and deciding should she go on stage or not? Because, like, he literally might be out there to shoot her. But she goes on stage and she sings. And it's fine. Nothing happens. But she's, she ends up sort of back in the green room again in the reenactment. She just starts bawling because she realizes that, like, this man isn't here. He's not here. But he has taken over her life yeah. completely. Like, she is so afraid of a thing that isn't going to happen because it might. Mm -hmm. Like, it's super might. And she, he, she gets so many messages you can't ignore all the horrible stuff he is saying all the time, every yeah. day for over a year. So Leandra, go to the FBI. <laughs> all right. I mean, I was, I was like, <laughs> there are other authorities. And she's like, well, just wait. I did. I went to the FBI. So the FBI says there's no physical stalking. It's all online. We yeah, have nothing until he literally presents in front of her face. Exactly. The, the rules about stalking, especially if even a few years ago, were different. Like, they mm -hmm. were not. You basically had to be almost dead before they'd do anything. Oh, my God, yeah. It and, was bad. And cyber stalking super wasn't a thing. Super. It's gotten better now, but, mm -hmm. like, it's not great. Yeah. No, yeah, we're still figuring this out. Like, what constitutes basically terrorism yeah. online. Yeah. Um, so, they recommend that she change her phone number, her email, change her name just disappear yeah which in a lot of cases i think would be a very good option but for leandra her life is people knowing how to get a hold of her mm -hmm. and people knowing her name and what her email is and what her phone number is and she didn't want to flip her career upside down or stall it out for a while because of this bastard <laughs> so she doesn't want to do that and there was nothing else they could do for her so quote from leandra i felt 
when she was at the FBI. I felt that Colin was in the room with me, like, ha ha, see, you can't get me. See, even the FBI is not on your side. Not no. This part's called things get even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Leandra sends an email to Colin saying she doesn't want to speak to him anymore to get out of her life. That works. Yeah, that did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> Colin immediately begins using aliases to get in contact with her family and her landlord and everyone she works with. Oh, God. Yeah. So by this point, people in the industry who work with Leandra know she has a stalker. It's been a couple of years. They know. Um, and she now, so she has that reputation. She is a singer with a stalker. That summer, Leandra re-auditions for the New York Opera Company because you have to re-audition every season. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, she's been in it before. Pretty yeah. much a shoe in Totally I mean, fine. Unless you're like a massive name like Renee Fleming. Mm. You have to re-audition. Yeah. And that's totally fair. Just... I mean. <laughs> they... Seasons change. What they need changes. Exactly. And that's how you get new people in there. Mm -hmm. Who might be amazing. Yep. So she's totally fine with re-auditioning. But she gets to the audition and they tell her that they won't take her because she has a stalker problem mm -hmm. and she has to make it stop yep. or it's a liability to have her with their other people. Yep. Um, at this Around the same time, her boyfriend breaks up with her because Colin has started talking to his employers as well. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean... I mean, he contacted Colin. Like, he got involved. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean, he put himself in yeah. the line of fire. But also, I think... And he made things worse for her by being like, she has a boyfriend. But I also think eventually it would have happened anyways. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, in their reenactment, he had a lot of reasons for, like, we never see each other. And she's like, we're professional singers. Of course we never see each other. Yeah. He's we're like, going well, to wherever the gig is. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, the main thing was the stress that this... Mm -hmm horrible thing with colin was yeah. putting on his life as well it's and very that's hard in a relationship yeah absolutely so colin is systematically ruining leandra's career and her personal life yep. all at once yep he is regularly sending letters to her family including family photos their own family photos that just say shit like you're all gonna die over the top um they had to disconnect their home phone because they were getting so many phone calls from him a day Willing to talk to anyone in the family and tell them what a piece of shit they are. Wow. Um, it is during this time that Leander tells the show, Obsessions, that she was, like, completely falling apart. But her family was really strong about it. Like, they were much less bothered by the phone calls, even if they were directing at them. They were very strong and very supportive of her. They were really her rock. So at least they, she kind of had, like, a nice... Support system there, but everything else is falling apart. Yeah. So, Leandra, despite everything that's happening with her career, still ends up getting a part she described as a big role. Hmm. I don't know where. It doesn't say. Um, it was a huge deal for her. But, of course, Colin eventually found out she'd gotten this role, and he started contacting every member of the crew. Oh, God. She felt like everyone all the time at every rehearsal was constantly talking about her, was constantly staring at her because maybe Colin just texted them. Mm -hmm. Like maybe Colin left them a voicemail. She doesn't know. 
uh, this is a quote from her. Opera producers, conductors, directors, all my coworkers and castmates would all get these crazy emails saying that if I am not fired from the production, then he was going to show up with a gun and kill me that night. To everyone. Insane. And he had started leaving her a ton of voicemail messages. It's rough. This is the only part that they ask her, the actual Leandra, to do herself. Or she just does it. I don't know. Because she recreates a voicemail message as she remembers it. And it's a ton of just screaming, like, pick up the phone, you fucking bitch. I'll kill you. I'll kill your whole family. You can't ignore me, you stupid slut. You're dead. Like, stuff like that for minutes on end. Uh, So it's horrible. So finally, after ignoring Colin for months, she feels like she has no other choice but to call him back. Just make it stop. Do something. No. <laughs> but also, no. she's feeling super desperate. I know it's not a great thing, but she's no. super desperate. <laughs> no. I know. Uh, no, honey, no. Know. This is this is bad. In this phone conversation, Colin continues to threaten her and her family until she apologizes to him for ignoring him. He makes her. He gets her to not only do this, but to agree to start speaking to him every couple of weeks via messenger. Regular dates, as they were called. So she tries to create boundaries immediately. They're just chatting. They are not a couple. This is not a relationship. But she will talk to him. And as soon as she starts having these regular conversations, the harassment towards her family and her coworkers lessens. So, of course, she feels the need to keep it up. This is some Jessica Jones shit. It's cray-cray. It's, yeah, that's true. It's real bad. So, of course, Colin immediately starts to ignore the boundaries she tries to set. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. He's this guy. <laughs> he doesn't have boundaries. No. He wishes you also didn't. <laughs> so his messages get increasingly sexual in nature. He doesn't sure. care mm-hmm. when she says, don't talk about that. Let's change the subject. If she is slightly late for a promised date or if she tries to get off too early, the harassment continues of her family and coworkers. He has all the power. Mm-hmm. All of it. A hundred percent of it. Quote, everything in my life was tainted with Colin. Everything I did had Colin's fingerprints all over it. And she says at this point in her life, she felt small, defeated and tarnished by the world. I imagine it would just be exhausting. Yeah. Like. At this point, I don't even know how long it's been. They stopped giving you, like, a a great timeline. But it's years and years of this. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's probably been at least three years by this point. So, finally, Leandra gets a job she thinks might help. She is to be the lead singer aboard a cruise ship. So, that's fun. (laughs) Um, Oh, you sweet summer child. I know, right? So, it feels like an escape. Just because she's not in the same place all the time. They are constantly moving around. She never told him, I'm going on a cruise. She's also now trapped on a boat. Yes, there's that. So, she feels stronger and safer than she has felt in literally years. And she continues to have her dates with Colin. But he doesn't know exactly where she is or what she's doing all the time. And that feels nice. Until... One night after a show, Leandra decides to stay on deck with some friends and have a few drinks instead of going to her little date with Colin. Oh, God. And she thinks, he doesn't know what I'm doing. He doesn't know where I am. It's fine. Well, Colin calls. And he tells her that she's been a bad girl and she should check her emails. 
And in her emails, he details the exact ship she's on, the time she performs, the docks that the ship will stop at, and for how long and on what days. He knows everything. Because the internet is crazy. So the cruise ship management takes this much more seriously than the authorities ever did. Because it's a boat. Yeah. They're like, oh, shit. There's literally nowhere to run. Yeah. yeah, cruise ships can be big, but also eventually you find someone right. if you're looking hard if enough. If this man is aboard this ship, he's a danger to everyone. Especially if they're out at sea. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think they were. <laughs> so. So uh, they check the ship's manifest and they do some searching around and they can't find him and he's not on, he's not on the list. So there's nothing they can really do. They're like, he's not here. It's creepy that he knows that, but he's not here. It, this doesn't matter. She's still terrified. Yeah. He, he just, he knows, he's known everything about her for so long. And these threats have been so pervasive. At this point, Leandra describes like a huge breaking point for her. In the show's reenactment, she is sitting like fucking rocking back and forth, feverishly writing over and over. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, and she says, like, I'm not strong enough. I can't take the death threats. I can't do this anymore. And it's it's obviously, like, a very harrowing moment. But then she's sitting there, kind of staring at her own writing, staring at the computer where she's been getting all this harassment. And she has this moment of clarity. That's all she really describes it as is just sort of a shift in her head. And something in her mind says, I can do this. I am strong enough. And this is, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like you, there's nothing, no specific thing you can point to other than like her brain going, no, fuck this. This is stupid. We are strong enough. And that's the, the only part in her interview with the show that she actually starts to cry. Like as soon as she says, I am strong enough. I can't, I can do this. Like she just like starts bawling. And it's Aww. like, oh, Leandra. oh, honey. Oh, it's very sweet. So it's obviously a huge moment for her even now. Yeah. So she writes Colin one more email. And she says, this is the last email you will ever receive from me in your entire life. And she ends it with game over. <laughs> so when the cruise ends, Leandra goes back to ho her home and she puts her career on hold. She stops taking jobs. Yeah. And she hires a man named AJ Fardella. He is a data forensic examiner. Good. And, yeah. And I think he works like freelance. She did keep really good track of everything he ever sent. She never deleted an email or a text. She always had them. So he takes every message and every email. At this point, we're talking 5,000 emails. Jesus. Um, quote, this is from Fardella. I started looking at the evidence, the emails, the phone calls, the faxes. <laughs> oh, it's, it is 2,000, like eight, nine, yep. 10. And this bitch is sending faxes. Yep. And it's definitely terrorism. It has a physical effect. Uh, you know, Leandra, many times when we were talking about this case, she was shaking. So, like, AJ's fucking on it. Yeah. <laughs> AJ gets in contact with the Singapore police. He gives them everything. And they start tracking this motherfucker down. It is difficult to get a timeline at this point with the show and other articles. But Colin, overall... Cyber stalked Leandra for six years. Jesus. Six fucking years of her life. And she was like in college. So her entire 20s is basically gone. Yeah. Because of, of what he did. And then one day 
in July of 2011. She's in a coffee shop with some friends, and she gets an email from the Singapore police that they have taken Colin Mack into custody. Oh. It's, like, fucking huge. So Colin Mack, as it turns out, had harassed a few other people as well, because hmm. he has a problem, obviously. <coughs> They're all young to middle-aged women, foreign singers, one businesswoman. Um, one of them is, like, Hungarian. Like... They're all from all over the world. He just must have been like, your voice is pretty. I like your face. I'm going to ruin your life. Mm -hmm. It appears that he was caught by police because he trespassed into St. James Church kindergarten and stole some biscuits, which sure. (laughs) (laughs) If you got to get somebody on tax evasion or stealing biscuits, you got to do what you got to do, you know? Oh, my God. Literally taking sweets from children. (laughs) Yes. That's what got him. Colin's trial was a landmark case for anyone suffering from cyberstalking. It had no one had ever gone to prison for cyberstalking before. He pled guilty of <laughs> several counts of criminal intimidation and harassment. And what the fuck else is he going to do? Exactly. I mean, they literally have all the evidence, yeah. all of it. His lawyer was probably like, you got to get a deal, dude. Don't you got to plead d- guilty. Yeah. Like, dude, don't deny this. In December of 2013, he was sentenced to three years in prison. I know it's not much. It's something, though. Yeah. It's it's a start. So Leandra went on with her life, of course, as mm-hmm. survivors do. She still writes and performs music. Um, she, AJ, and his wife together wrote a book called Stalking a Diva about her ordeal. She is married and she has three children. As, you know, as far as the most recent I could find. She might have more now. Uh, They wrap those episodes up quick. But at the end of the episode, Leandra did have this to say. It doesn't matter how big your problem is. You can overcome it. When I saw that he had been arrested, I thought, that's it. It's over. It's done. I won. So that's the story of Leandra. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I need to adjust. We need another shot. I guess. Harp noise? Harp noise? Tequila. There you go. <laughs> All right. Stalking. Part Stalking, two. Part two. So I think researching this story had the opposite effect that most of my stories have, where I think like the NSA is watching me. Oh, sure. Okay. Like, instead, I think the NSA took me off of a few watch lists because now they think I'm this, like, middle-aged conservative white woman with a concealed carry permit. Okay. That might put you on some different watch lists, but definitely took you off some others, for sure. In the Trump era, maybe not. Those are not watch lists. Those are donor lists for his campaign. Not no. (laughs) Not no. So, on an unrelated note, but also kind of related note. Uh Uh-huh. Nights on Broadway by the Bee Gees is actually really fucking creepy if you just look at the lyrics. I'm doing it. Hold on. I have them. Oh, okay. It's like most of the songs of the 70s. Very unnerving when read out loud. Oh, God. (laughs) Here we are in a room full of strangers standing in the dark where your eyes couldn't see me. Well, I had to follow you, though you did not want me to. But that won't stop my loving you. I can't stay away. Oh, no. It's like a pretty upbeat song. Why did we permit this? 
My grandmother loves the Bee Gees. Yeah, she probably knows this song. Mima. Mima. The song has a bad message, Mima. Like, it's a really upbeat song. It was in the Saturday Night Fever musical on Broadway. Oh, wow. Here we are in a room full of strangers. Ba, 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 ba. I'm sure it slaps, you it know, does. for the 70s and everything. It does. There's a lot of songs even now that slap and we don't even listen to what they say. Right. Because it's got like a nice beat and it's it's good and it probably would work for karaoke. And speaking of karaoke. <gasps> talk to me about karaoke. That brings me to my story for today. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to start with a quote. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Your Second Amendment rights are under siege, but they will never, ever be under siege as long as I'm your president. This is the quote I warned you about. Did you, you just <laughs> quoted Donald Trump yeah. on our podcast. Yeah, and it's gross, and I feel gross. Emily. But, like, also, it, it ties in. Someone's going to get shot in this story, aren't they? <laughs> it ties in. Uh-huh. We're going to go to the South. Hi, the South. Specifically Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, Middle South. With the uh-oh feeling here. Oh, my God. Nashville. I Look, I always think Nashville, yes, huge country scene. Mm-hmm. It is the South. Definitely. Huge music scene. But also it's a big city, so yeah. I think people are, you know, not like they are in the rural areas necessarily. Right. <laughs> So let's talk about our survivor, Nikki Gozer. Hello, Nikki. Nikki met her future husband, Ben Gozer, in June of 2007 at a friend's karaoke party. And she just kind of had this moment of, like, she knew he was the one. Oh, that's super cute. Uh, quote from Nikki. He had this charisma and a beautiful glowing smile. He had this life about him. I knew the moment we met that he was the man of my dreams, my soulmate. You know, I just knew. Oh, that's adorable. Please tell me he doesn't become horrible. So after the party was wow. over, <laughs> she tracked him down on MySpace. Oh, man. This is when this takes place. Remember, this is 2007. Oh MySpace my was still a thing. Yeah, but like just barely, right? I was 17. Yeah, I I never had a MySpace. I never did Taylor either. Swift was never my MySpace friend. I know, right? But, uh... It was still, like, they were actively still using it. Woof. So they met again in person, and then one, two, skip a few. They're married on December 31st of 2007, just six months after they had met. Dang. She fucking knew. Yeah, she did. And they were super in love, super happy. Everything was golden. Good for them, I hope. I hope. They were out on the water. They had a boat. They had jet skis. And Nikki also had a passion for target shooting. Okay. Very familiar with firearms. He eventually decided in 2008 to obtain her concealed carry permit. Sure. Which was, God, I think it was around the 2008 to 2010 period where it was a huge fucking controversy. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. So there wasn't any specific reason for her doing it. She just decided she wanted something for her own self-protection because... It's Tennessee. It's 2008. Whatever. Yeah. Sure. She's a lady. I get like to a, yeah. to a certain extent. Sometimes so I get it. Whatever. So she begins once her permit arrives, carrying her firearm on a regular basis everywhere that 
legally she could. Sure. Because there are still places where you cannot take a firearm in. So Nikki and Ben decided after they kind of settled into the married life, they wanted to start a small business, earn some money on the side. So they began their own karaoke entertainment business. That's adorable. Yeah. And because they like met through karaoke and they both love karaoke. So they made their own little business and they would go to. Is karaoke like a big fucking deal or something? In Nashville, yes. Oh, my God. Uh It's kind of crazy, actually. Also, like in New York, there are karaoke bars specifically. I mean, yeah. No, that makes kind of sense. Yeah. I guess Nashville's a pretty big place. It's just funny to me that like that's like a business model you can create if you want. And be successful. Yeah. I mean, we know some people who do karaoke as like it's probably one of their jobs. Yeah. Definitely not their only one. And they have like maybe a couple gigs a week. Yeah. So they began doing karaoke on Thursday nights. Mm -hmm. There's also our karaoke night. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Holy shit. And before long, they had built a pretty solid following because that's just kind of what happens with karaoke. Like, you know, your karaoke DJ, right? They know you, you start to, it's just, it's, they must be both good singers. Yeah. So the business was growing. They were picking up more of a following. It wasn't unusual to start seeing some of the same faces. And yeah, you'd get some people passing through, but also it was Nashville. It's a big city. You get tourists. That, that, yeah, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So it wasn't unusual to see the same people. Mm-hmm. And they they were really good. And they kind of go over this in the episode of like, they were really good at recognizing people and making that connection. So it was very easy to pick out when somebody new showed up. One man in particular started showing up on the reg. Okay. So name. Tell me he's creepy and not the husband. His name was Hank Wise. You're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> you never give you me. You were mean to me. <laughs> so Nikki and Ben thought he was a tourist at first, but he kept coming back, and he really liked taking the mic. He is the guy that would sing. The singing of the Edmonds Fitzgerald. Oh. He is that type of guy who thinks he's amazing, but he's not. Yuck. Uh, Nikki says about him, he wasn't very good, but he was one of those that you could tell they thought they were much better than they really were. Those are the kind of people that we clap the most for. Oh my God. All we knew was that his name was Hank. <laughs> Hi, Hank. So Hank soon found Nikki on MySpace. No. Because they used MySpace as a tool to keep their customers updated on where they were going to be. Hank, don't. Don't do it. Nikki says, I added him as a friend just like I do anybody else. I mean, look, we weren't very discerning in 2007 on who we friended. Nope. We, were, we didn't know what social media could do to our lives yet. Yep. <laughs> well, she friends him. And then the messages start. Hank sent a total of seven messages. So only seven from her. The first five were totally normal. Okay. But the last two get weird. Oh, no. He said, I was hot. You know, guys say that stuff. You don't really think much of it. When you work in a bar environment, you get used to that. And you accept it that guys are going to say that kind of stuff about you. Sure. It's not really unusual. 
And then it got sexually aggressive. She still wasn't worried. And her husband wasn't worried because she told him everything. She's Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm getting weird messages from that one dude. Smart. Nikki responded and told him, quote, he was fishing in the wrong lake. Because she did also very much like fishing. Oh. Told him she was happily married and that she found his comments inappropriate. Good. I mean, that's a pretty good way to shut something down if you... I mean, if if you're not dealing with a crazy person. Yeah. Well, Hank responded. Oh, no. Quote, he asked me why I was with someone so much older and then asked me if I never wanted to have children. Whoa. And then he got nasty. So Nikki showed the message to her husband and together they decided to delete the messages and then blocked Hank. See, I wouldn't delete the messages, but I would block that motherfucker. Absolutely. Well, several weeks go by. Mm -hmm. No sign of Hank at any of their events. They think, cool, he got the memo. We're done. He's not going to show up. I mean, every single day you see a compilation of really horrible messages some girl got for turning down a guy yep. on Facebook, on any Tinder, number of anything. sites. Yeah. So, like, could be fine. Yeah. Happens all the time. Yep. Okay. Well, eventually but- Hank does show back up <sighs> in downtown Nashville. Uh, Nikki says, Ben was with me at all of my shows. He later told me that Hank had walked up to him at the bar where he was and said, hey, man, how's it going? As if nothing had happened. As if it was chill. I'm sure he doesn't think Ben knows about the messages. Uh Ben corrected him. Nice. Told him he was aware of what happened on MySpace. Reminded Hank that Nikki was a happily married woman. And that he also apparently told Hank that his behavior was scaring Nikki. And he asked him to leave Nikki alone. Good. Damn, Ben, good. Here's the thing. Uh, Hank was like, oh, no, my account was hacked by my crazy ex-girlfriend. It wasn't me. Oh, no. Ben didn't believe him. Good. Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say they didn't believe that bullshit, right? Yeah. And apparently Ben just kind of turned and walked away (laughs) when he tried to give the crazy ex-girlfriend story. Jesus. Two weeks go by. He shows up again. And apparently he just sat down and Stared at Nikki. No. Stop it. They had a tip jar, which is really common in bigger cities. And they'd walk around with a tip jar and you tip depending on like how much like to get yourself moved up in the list. So like when Hank first started, he was like tipping 20s to get on stage. Sure. You just you tip. They move you up. They get to know you. That makes sense. Sure. Because they're they're trying to make a buck. Yeah, obviously. Like, I can't imagine that the bars are paying them that, that much for hours of work. And rather than swinging by, she just walked right past him. (laughs) And she's like, I know he wants to talk. I know he wants to say something. I know he wants to tip it so that he can get up on stage and be near me. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-uh. It's not happening. Hank left. Yep. Hank left after that. Oh, good. She didn't see him. Until a month later. Uh Uh-huh. They were working at one of their regular bars. And Nikki was on their computer for their karaoke songs. And Ben was sitting behind her. 
and Nikki says, I had this feeling. Mm. I don't know what gave it to me, but I looked up and there he was standing there staring at me. Shit. Now here's the crazy thing also, because the day before she'd also had a feeling and they were, they'd like flipped homes as well. And she called into her job and like went with Ben to do this house renovation and just like had the whole day with him mm-hmm. just completely out of the blue. She has no idea why she did it, but she just, and that was the day something, before. yeah, something told her she wanted to do this. Whoa. These are uh oh feelings. Just gotta say. Yeah. We've had some uh oh feelings. Massive uh oh feelings. Hell yeah. Okay. And he's right fucking there. Yeah. And she turns to Ben and she's like, Hey, he's here. She's uncomfortable, but not alarmed. And in the state of Nashville, you cannot take your weapon into a bar or restaurant. Probably pretty. So it is in the glove compartment of her car. Uh Uh-huh. That's important. Yeah. So she's upset. She doesn't want him there. Uh Uh-huh. So she tells Ben, like, she wants Hank out of the bar. And told the manager... And asked that Hank was removed. As she's walking over to get the manager, Nikki turns back and sees Hank sitting next to her husband and talking to him. Oh, great. Yep. Love it. Mm-hmm. Everything was just really calm. Hunky fucking Dory. And she says now that she feels that it was a tactic used by Hank to put Ben at ease. Like to come over and, and be like, I'm not avoiding like, you. We're cool. Let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. What is going to happen, Emily? Quote. This is not the light, okay? Uh. <laughs> I watched the manager walk over to him. And she, I get this point, gone into like a hallway, kind of off to the side. Sure. I could tell she was asking him to leave. And I could also tell he wasn't complying. Reaching into his jacket and backing away from the manager, he pulled out a forty-five caliber handgun. Oh, my God. Ben was working. He was minding his own business. When Hank pulled the gun out of his jacket, I remember the gun was up in the air over his head for just a few seconds. Then he lowered the gun to point it at Ben. No. Ben was shot six times in front of his wife. No. At the bar at about 10 o'clock at night. Oh, my God. He seemed like such a nice guy. He Like everything in the documentary thing their little like episode oh my god he was just like he came across as this just ball of sunshine Mm. just a super upbeat larger than life personality super fun kind of guy Mm -hmm. like no enemies everybody's buddy fuck and they were like really happy they were genuinely happy Uh. and super in love oh my god horrible this piece of shit yeah so after the shooting hank calmly put the gun back inside his jacket and thought he could just walk away really is that how the fuck it works hank i'm not sure well he was tackled uh-huh Probably like and then 50 fucking people i'm sure dog piled uh-huh Everybody in that bar. Five or six men. Yes. Who then held him down until the cops came. And they all also know Ben. I'm sure they're there for his karaoke show thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. So Nikki obviously runs to her husband. Mm -hmm. 
he's dead. Ugh. Like he's he's dead. No movie moments uh-uh. of no. She is like holding a dead body. Oh, so geez. she is like doing the thing that you expect spouses, parents, like friends to do when they lose someone that's close to them. She is just like holding on to his body. The police have to pry her away from him because this is now an active crime scene. Yeah. Oh, sweet girl. They Ugh. put her into the kitchen away from everything and start going through the process. Here's where it gets like everything in that is like, all right, she had her out feeling, but this is where she and I are like on different absolute spectrums. Sure. Okay. She is a hardcore conservative concealed carry gun toting blonde blue eyed white southern conservative woman uh-huh she's upset she didn't have her gun yes yeah that is the biggest thing he hank gets convicted of second degree murder and is serving 23 years right now good fuck him though for real though that wasn't good enough for nikki really and she has a blog if you guys are like super curious oh dag i went on to it I really wish I didn't. Oh, no. But like. Because like you feel really bad for her. I feel really bad for her mm-hmm. as a person, but I don't agree with her ideals because hindsight is twenty twenty. So she is upset that she couldn't have her gun with her in the bar mm-hmm. because she firmly believes in everything like congressional testimony for like upcoming gun laws, like everything. She now works for someone. Hold on. So this became her life. Gun activism specifically. Yes. Uh, Chad Faulkner, who Mm. is the Tennessee State House representative Mm. and a huge proponent of the Second Amendment rights. She now works in his office. Wow. Yes. She is massively involved in making sure concealed carry rights can go into bars and restaurants because there was a bill put into legislation <laughs> and it's this is the kind of websites i went on i kept the <laughs> quote in here oh god so there was a bill by governor phil breedston that vetoed the restaurant carry bill and it passed so that people were able to carry into restaurants and oh, bars okay it was overturned by a quote Anti-freedom activist judge. <laughs> this is the shit I delved into for this. So and I feel gross. By a judge. By a judge. <laughs> oh, my God. That decided the legislature was vague, which is fucking fair, because it did not define properly the terms to differentiate between restaurant and bar. So it ruled the law unconstitutional. That's fair. There's a lot of places that... Start as a restaurant and then they turn into a bar after uh-huh. a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and they're no longer serving food. So it's like, you should how not do you be allowed to serve alcohol no. in a place where people can have And guns. her argument I is just... like, well, I always stayed sober. Sure. But you are an exception to basically the rule. Because it's a bar. Because it's a bar. Also, you stayed sober because you were working. Yes. This is a... Uh, look. <laughs> Sorry. I knew. We're talking I'm like, about it because this is... from our point of view... 
<laughs> it's really hard because she is a survivor of a really horrible yes. traumatic thing and she is well within her rights to have these feelings and to fight for this and yes. to want to voice her opinions absolutely i don't know that i would personally be comfortable knowing i was walking into a bar where someone could have a gun i agree with that i don't feel comfortable in any place where somebody could have a gun <laughs> like especially if it's an enclosed area and you can't just like walk away like i hate that there have to be signs on places where it says yep this is a gun-free zone yep because it's not just a given and, and like like i am all <laughs> for gun safety that sure. was yeah we had a gun and i come from a very conservative family mm -hmm. we had a gun in the house i was on the gun range at the age of eight learning how to shoot yeah. and the proper way to handle a gun right. if I ever needed to. My husband has licenses. Mm -hmm. He yep. shoots, he hunts. Yep. He's taught me how to use guns. Yep. Like, it's a thing and you, and you can do it responsibly and safely. Absolutely. And like, it doesn't mean I want to go out and get a concealed carry permit just because like I know how to shoot a nine millimeter and load it and take the state and like all of that shit. My thing is like, okay, she went with it, you know, one way in my in what the way I view guns in my life, I think feel like I would have been like much more on the side of how did he get a gun? Yeah. Why was he able to get in here yep. with a gun? And why does he have one? Like he's clearly got something going on. Absolutely. Maybe he had no priors. Maybe nobody would have ever known, but he is not a stable person. No. How, why does he have a firearm versus why didn't I also have one? Yeah. It's always it's always the idea between less people with guns and more people with guns. And also the <laughs> way that she described the situation, he was like right near her husband and the manager was also standing there in a fairly crowded bar mm -hmm. because she makes a comment of like how it's amazing how fast it cleared out. Oh, yeah. People are running so for their fucking lives. You take the adrenaline and the emotions tied to watching the love of your life have a gun pointed at them. Mm -hmm. How are you not going to freeze? Yeah. Unless you are like Delta Force, you are an army ranger, you have no emotions in this moment, you mm -hmm. have been trained and that has been like beaten out of you. Even if you freeze for less than a second, you're too late. Like it's He's still gonna getting get him in off. time is crazy. Yeah. And you run the risk of hitting somebody else. So many of those types of things, like it's easy to hit somebody you don't intend to from five fucking feet away. Like yeah. you can this do it. This also wasn't like a revolver. Mm -hmm. This was a forty-five caliber. Those are big bullets. That's big, yeah. That's gonna hurt, especially at close range. So, if you want to hear her speak, she has been a guest on Armed American Radio. Mm. Mm. as i said she has a blog mm -hmm. and she has a couple youtube things up speaking about gun activist rights right again no disrespect to her and her no. her, her survivorhood and her victimhood no but we just yeah we don't we agree. Disagree. <laughs> we disagree we disagree and that's okay and that's absolutely okay totally and fine. like like i said earlier i fully support what she's doing she is well within her rights to speak on this to be working in the office of a representative like mm -hmm. if you want to be an active lobbyist for this people, go forth people citizen lobbyists are important on all issues absolutely like, and yeah it's 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 she, all very noble in some lights at yeah. least that she is really fighting for something she believes in and has made it her life yeah because also, of what happened everything i've ever read 
about her face to face interactions because like her blog posts not so much Uh oh. but like i feel like face to face she is someone that you could have a conversation with sure about this she is not in your face like spitting at you and, and yelling yeah she would talk so wait last time you had talked about how you were gonna do a whole talk about guns so this was the thing you were planning to do last time uh-huh and I just happened upon this show two days ago. Yep. And this, these stories are from the same show. Yep. <laughs> I happened upon that show a while ago. Wow, hilarious. <laughs> and I didn't tell you about this show. I can't, no, yeah. I literally found it the no. other day. Because I was like, I'm going to try to come at this from a TV show standpoint. Maybe it'll like help me get jazzed on some story or another. My life. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I apologize to anybody who maybe watches this show religiously and recognized both of those stories <laughs> but we sincerely did not mean we to didn't do plan that this. not fucking at we all super didn't plan this. oh my god but uh you know the thing is i really think like as weird and over the top as that show obsessions dark desires <laughs> can mm, no. can be <laughs> oh i feel gross it really does highlight a type of crime we don't hear about as much yeah the stalking and things like it mm-hmm. are not the thing we even cover as much because it's it's just like it's also really hard to cover yeah it's hard it's hard to cover it's hard to prosecute you need someone who is fucking keeping track of that shit absolutely and that seems like one of the things with the other episodes i watched was like the way these people got justice is by keeping track yep if this is anything like this is happening to you keep everything screenshot everything keep record of when stuff happens like yeah Otherwise, I mean, like on the flip side, also, uh, Sword and Scale Mm -hmm. is a podcast that I listen to. I listened to a stalking episode from them, too, I think. Probably. Maybe even at your behest. It is. (laughs) Probably. He does go into stalking laws and why it needs to be fixed and how it's still not good enough. Because he had a, a victim that had been reporting stalking and... He played the 911 call where her ex-husband was literally killing her because he had like she had a restraining order against him. But right. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that like there's not this like actual physical barrier. Mm -hmm. Like as someone who has had a restraining order, it's like, yeah, I have this like lovely piece of paper that tells you to stay the fuck away from me. Somebody's crazy enough to need one of those. Are they crazy enough to just walk right through it? Who cares? Yeah. Like you never know. No, (laughs) it's really. Yeah. So she had the restraining order. She went through all the things she was supposed to do Mm -hmm. and it still wasn't enough. Right. These things like this stalking, even cyber stalking, like they have to be looked at seriously. Yes. If somebody comes in and you're a police officer, you have to take them seriously. At least try. fucking laugh them out of the room. Exactly. Like, sometimes I'm sure there are people who are like, I saw this person twice in two days. (laughs) Like, they're stalking me. No, ma'am, they're not. But if people have evidence (laughs) and, like, prolonged... Walmart at the same time. (laughs) They were at the same grocery store as me. They work there. They bought the same milk. (laughs) Like, that kind of shit. That's no. Yeah, that's understandable. Maybe I'm sure you they need get, to get checked out. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're the people who need yeah. help. But like, I'm sure they get that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's why they they wait until stuff is pretty bad. But yeah. like, don't wait until stuff is really bad. And if people aren't listening to you and you are a victim of this stuff, just like really get loud. keep track and tell your friends, get tell loud. your family. Let's make sure people know what's happening to you at any given time. That's get how, loud. That like, is good. Yeah, that's how I got someone to pay attention to me. Is yeah. you get fucking loud. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, dude. Yep. 
Okay. Thank you, guys. Off my soapbox. <laughs> totally fine. We were up on a soapbox together Woo! there for a bit, and that was really fun, actually. Setting off a couple fireworks. We've had three tequila shots, so when I edit this, I'm going to check on how um, awesome we did, because <laughs> I feel like we did really good, but we'll fucking see. <laughs> um, but hey, thank you guys for joining us on episode 47. Yeah, and if you're still here, cool. Thanks for sticking through the soapbox. Fuck yeah. Thank you, guys. Um you know, if you want to continue the conversation, uh, we're online. <laughs> Just like, don't slip into my DMs with weird shit, okay? Don't, don't. You, but you can like and then comment on our Facebook page. Yeah. At the Uh-Oh Feeling. And uh, we would love to hear from you if you have some opinions about this crazy shit we've been talking about. <laughs> um, or other stories you want us to cover that are maybe not from this one TV show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will say my one for next time uh -huh. is not from this TV show. Shit's gonna get real next time, yeah, you guys. I, I hope told you listen. Steve and he freaked out. Oh man, I hope so. you guys listen in. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I think you should be a little bit like Leandra. Just like say like a little bit. Like I mean, Nikki like kind of like Nikki. Fair. <laughs> and Mixed don't feelings. be like fucking Colin and Hank. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't. Don't be an asshole yes. online or in person. Yes. Remember, you're talking to people. Don't dehumanize anyone. Absolutely. Because then you might be a Nazi. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and no matter what, don't forget your can of water. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Fuck. <laughs>